world. She just happens to be my wife. Let's give a, a big love for uh, Melissa Hale. Hi, good evening. Hey, it's good. Hey, you came back. Thanks for that. Um, tonight's going to be part two of a two-part mini-series. Um, so if, if you weren't here last week, I'm going to try to review and catch you up. But, but I encourage you to go online and listen to um, what we talked about last week, and I hope that that will minister to you. But it's a, it's a total privilege to have the opportunity to speak to you again. I'm very excited. Um, let's start in prayer. Heavenly Father, glorious God, thank you for this night. I thank you for each and every single person here. I thank you, Lord, that they have come to seek your face, seek your way, to be changed by your word. And I thank you that as this word is brought forth, that it will change us from the inside out, God, that you'll affect our heart, and then that will in turn will change our character, and then that in turn will change what we do and how we act and how we respond to what this world tries to give us. And I thank you that we will be your hands and feet and walk in your ways and that you will anoint this message tonight and prepare all of us to receive it, myself included. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Okay. So tonight is part two of The Warrior Heart. If you're taking notes, that can be your title. Warrior Heart, part two. Okay, so this idea, it's this idea that God desires for his children to not be victims, to not be ordinary, to not be average, to not just be above average, but for you and I to do extraordinary things right now on this earth for the purpose of furthering his kingdom and bringing him glory. That's the idea of the warrior heart. Uh, an extraordinary life, doing extraordinary things for the kingdom of God. So, remember who we are, who we are dictates what we do and um, what, what defines who we are. It's our heart. It all boils down to our heart. The condition of our heart is the well that holds our character, right? And we draw from that character in every decision we make and every circumstance and every reaction we have and every vision and goal we put before ourselves and every conversation and every intention. Our heart determines everything. The goal is for our heart to be more and more consumed by the character of the warrior, right? So that our hearts and then our character and then what we do, so our response becomes more and more God-honoring. That's what we want, to honor God in everything. But this is not automatic. We talked about that last week. It's not an automatic thing. We have to condition and purpose our heart to become a warrior heart. We have to do that. So we're going to review some of the stages of the heart that we talked about last week. There are phases of the heart. Um, these heart conditions um, are situational. And that means depending on the circumstance, we are all capable of exhibiting any one of these heart behaviors at any time, right? 
depending on the situation. Once you, you know, get over a hard heart in one area, it doesn't mean you don't have a hard heart to battle in another area. Or you can be very surrendered in one area and not surrendered in another. So, right, we want to attack this in every situation with the right attitude, the right heart. Okay, the first one to review was the hard heart. Uh, The hard heart is self-centered, self-involved, self-indulgent, doesn't really see anyone else's side or how how what they do could affect another person. Um, uh, They can go to church, they can listen to the word, but they don't hear it, meaning they don't take it in and then apply it and do it, right? Um, A hard-hearted person has sin in their life because they feel that their sin is justified, that they have a reason for it, that there's excuses for it. The hard-hearted person feels like they are entitled to special treatment. My example was Ebenezer Scrooge. Ebenezer Scrooge. Money, money, money. But then we talked about how, well, we all might be a Scrooge in some area. Hmm. Hmm. What's yours? All right. Number two was the desperate heart. This condition of the heart, a desperate heart, it sounds maybe negative at first, but it's not. This heart is sick and tired and wants to change their sad and sinful and self-indulgent ways. This is very good. It's good to be desperate enough to want to change because often people won't change until they're desperate, until they're sick and tired of the way they're being. You have to get there, and then you have momentum and motive to change. The desperate heart is a repentant heart. They are ready to stop protecting their sin and instead remove it from their lives. Uh, And they are ready to give their struggles, their issue, their flesh. They're ready to give it to God, and that is good. Um, My example last week was Sergeant Alvin C. York when he turned his life around and got saved. So, Sergeant York, watch the movie. Enjoy it. Um, Number three, number three was the surrendered heart. The surrendered heart is ready to be completely surrendered to the Lord in every area. The surrendered heart submits to the constant refining of the refiner's fire. They seek to rid themselves of earthly things so that they can be a part of kingdom business. Um, Doesn't mean it's not a struggle, and it doesn't mean it's not hard, Um, And last week I gave the example of my own wrestling with giving up of a TV show that I realized, I realized it just actively dishonored the Lord, the show. Um, And and wrestling with that and deciding, you know what, I'm not going to have something in my life that God has made me aware it dishonors him. If that's the case, I got to remove it from my life. In, In gardening terms, if we're, if we're gardening, the surrendered heart is going to weed, get, get all the weeds out of the garden, right? Get all those weeds out. Anywhere there's darkness, um, anywhere there's a hindrance of some kind, anything that's dimming the lights. We talked about dimmer switches, right? Maybe it's not sin. It's just a dimmer switch that your eyes get accustomed to as, as they get in that darkness. They don't even realize it's getting darker. They want to they weed that out to create good soil. That's what they want. So we talked about that. 
All right, you ready for some fresh information? Number four, number four. This is the, the, heart, the heart phase, number four, four out of five. The responsive heart. If the responsive heart had a catchphrase, it would be, yes, Lord, yes. This is the heart that says yes to making positive deposits in the kingdom of heaven. In gardening terms, again, you think I'm like a good gardener or something? I'm t- I, I kill everything. I'm totally not. But it's a good analogy. In gardening terms, the responsive heart has done that hard work of preparing the ground. It's done the hard work. And so now it's ready to plant the seed. It's ready to plant in good seed. It's going to respond to the Lord. Becoming a responsive person, which is one who responds in word and action immediately, a responsive, a person that responds to something, doesn't wait, but responds. Becoming a responsive person will have major effects in every area of your life. Um, I, I want to first look at it in terms of just everyday work, life, the business world. Uh, there's a man by the name of Michael Hyatt. Michael Hyatt is a highly successful businessman. He is the former CEO and current chairman of Thomas Nelson Publishing, which you may have heard. It's the largest Christian publisher in the world. It is the seventh largest trade publisher, trade book publisher in the world, seventh largest. So this man knows a lot about business. He's very successful, very wealthy. And he has a great um, inspirational blog um, called Intentional Leadership, and it's at michaelhyatt.com if you're so inclined. And jot that down. So he wrote this really great uh, article called What's the Secret to Your Success? And so I'm going to read a little bit of that. <clears throat> he writes, as a CEO, I get asked uh, this a lot. What's the secret to your success? He says, and I'm always a little embarrassed by it. For the most part, I get the question from people who are in their 20s. They want to know the secret path to the top. And so he was asked by a young and up-and-coming MBA, he was asked, if you had to boil it down to one thing, what would you recommend to a young, aspiring person such as myself? And so Michael Hyatt's response is, I'm not sure I could boil it down to one thing, the secret to success, boil it down to one thing. Life isn't usually that simple. But if I really, really had to boil it down to one thing, I would say this, responsiveness. So many people I meet are unresponsive. They don't return their phone calls promptly. They don't answer their emails quickly. They don't complete their assignments on time. They promise to do something and never follow through. They have to be reminded, prodded, and nagged. This behavior creates work for everyone else and eats into their own productivity. Sadly, many seem oblivious to it. He goes on to say, when I was a kid, we used to play tag. The objective was simple, keep from becoming it. And if someone tagged you or touched you, you were it until you tagged someone else. Whoever was it lost, right, at the end of the game. He says, business is very similar. People tag us in countless ways every day, phone calls, emails. They mention something to us in a meeting, and suddenly we are it. And just like the game, if you stay it too long, you lose. 
The only winning strategy is to respond quickly and make someone else it. He says, the reality is we live in an instant world. People want instant results. They don't want to wait. And if they have to wait on you, their frustration and resentment grows. Are you applying this to areas other than business? I hope so. They begin to see you as an obstacle to getting their work done. And if that happens, it will begin to impact your reputation. Because pretty soon people are still talking about, oh, they never write you back. They never email me back. He says, the truth is, you are building your reputation one response at a time. People are shaping their view of you by how you respond to them. If you're slow, they assume you're incompetent and over your head. If you respond quickly, they assume you are competent and on top of your work. Their perception, whether you realize it or not, will determine how fast your career advances and how high you go. You can't afford to be unresponsive. It is a career killer. The great thing about being responsive is that it will quickly differentiate you from your peers. People love doing business with responsive people. Nothing will advance your career faster than this. Wow, that was a lot to take in. I love that. I glean a lot of information from that. Responsiveness. It's not just the characteristic, though, of a great leader or a great businessman. It's essential in our lives. It's essential in our spiritual life. Uh, If I were to think of a biblical example of somebody who maybe wasn't uh, very responsive, um, Jonah comes to mind to me. God says, go to Nineveh, and what does he say? No, thank you. And then he gets on a boat and goes to Oppositeville, right? As far away from Nineveh as possible, right? No, that's no good. Okay, so thinking about someone who responds Let's look at 1 Samuel 3, if you have your Bibles. First Samuel 3, I'll start. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. Can you imagine? Wow. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me? But Eli said, I didn't call you. Go back. Lie down. So he went and lay down. And again the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me? My son, Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him a third time. The Lord called Samuel, and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. And then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, Go and lie down. If he calls you, say, Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there, calling as at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. I, I, I love this heart attitude, this instant response. This, I'm going to be quiet and still and shut up so that I can listen to what the Lord has to say. 
So what did this heart attitude lead Samuel to do? He became a judge, he became a prophet, and the anointer of King Saul and King David, right? Pretty important man in ancient Israel. The responsive heart responds now, not later, now. It says yes to the Lord. It doesn't just respond with a no. Keep in mind, when I'm saying being responsive, you can respond with a no. That's not ideal. Ideally, we're talking about responding positively to the Lord when he tells you to do something. Okay, what does the responsive heart say yes to? Well, the responsive heart says yes to worship. Oh, it's time to worship. I'm ready to worship. I heard someone say worship isn't singing a song. Worship is being obedient when you don't want to. Worship. You just do it. It's just time to worship. Okay, I'm here. The responsive heart says yes to sharing the gospel and making disciples. Oh, interesting. The responsive heart says yes to showing love. Yes to giving financially. Yes to investing time and their talent in kingdom pursuits. Okay, so let's explore, speaking of that, let's explore being responsive where we are, where we are right now. How can we be responsive? Okay, think about this. If you love babies and love little kids, that could be the Holy Spirit tugging on you to give of your time in the nursery. Give of your time to those children. Just a thought. If you have a heart for the homeless, maybe follow that draw and go to, uh, with 45 and Hope, which is a nonprofit Christian organization, to go feed the homeless down 45 in one day, right? Don't just feel something. Take it to the next step. Do something about it. Respond to the draw and the impulse. Um, let's say you love meeting people. Be a greeter or an usher or work at the Welcome Center, right? Um, let's say you have fun teaching children or you, or you want to be a part of molding their young minds and their spirits. There's a place for you in the children's ministry. Respond to that call. Let's say you have a heart for women in need and young families in need. The Pregnancy Assistance Center is right there on 45. Go volunteer there. Go give your time there. There's things to do. There's work to be done. So this week's exercise for everyone is this. Try responding to every impulse of the Holy Spirit. Every impulse big or small, respond to it immediately. Don't talk yourself out of it. Don't hesitate. Don't say, oh, that's just probably the donut that I ate. Probably not the Holy Spirit telling me to do that. Respond immediately. Okay, I'm going to give you a real-life example of a responsive heart. When I was a kid, my dad and I ran into the grocery store to get a few things. And when we were in line... There was a woman in front of us at the register, and I remember she had a few kids with her, and she was getting some things, and um, the cashier said, it's going to be this much money, and she said, I don't have the money. Do you remember this? There's my dad right there. He's slinking. He's like, what did I do? She didn't have enough money to pay for her groceries. And so the cashier helped her, you know, take what she couldn't afford, put it aside. She paid for what she could, and she walked out. And I remember my dad going up to that cashier and going, bag it, bag it right now, 
just bag it. And he was so confused. He was so confused. So he bagged up the groceries. I don't remember if we got our stuff. And he took them, and him and I went out, and we ran to the woman, and he said, here's the rest of your groceries. And she just kind of looked at him in awe and confusion. And I remember her going, thank you so much. Thank you so much. I can't believe you did that. Um, That's a responsive heart. You see a need, and you meet it. Now, not everything is about money. You can respond. It doesn't have to be financially. Um, Here's another story. It was 1984, maybe 1985, and my family was driving down I-45. I have no idea which direction I-45 is from here. I think everywhere I'm facing is north. Um, We were driving down the feeder of 45, and we were about right in front of the Pregnancy Assistance Center on 45, if you've ever seen that. And we're on the feeder. It's dark. It's late. It's back when there were really no businesses there. It was just homes, and the freeway was far away from the feeder because everything was grass and not lanes. Um, And we saw a horrible, I mean a horrible accident. A station wagon had an accident and flipped and flipped and flipped and landed upside down, and it was horrific. And my dad, he pulled over our car on the feeder where we were, and he just got out and ran. He ran to the station wagon to help. Um, You know, there were no cell phones to call 911 back then. And um, I just, I remember him running as fast as he could toward this, and I remember being afraid, what if it blows up? Like in the movies, the car flips and it blows up. Dad, don't, it might blow up. And even after the ambulances got there, I, I just remember he was the first one on the scene and he was trying to help a family. Um, it was a bad accident. But again, how God can use you when you respond, yes, you don't hesitate. Sometimes it could be a life or death situation for somebody. You don't wait. You just go. So let's notice the process, okay? Hard heart, desperate heart, surrendered heart, a responsive heart. You start in repentance. You get the sin out, right? And then once you do that, once the sin's gone, you notice, ooh, I see some darkness and some dimmer switches in some areas. Now that the sin's gone, I can focus and pay attention to this. I want to get that out too, right? So you get all the dishonor out of your life. And then once that's out, all of a sudden you can hear. You know, you you can hear the Holy Spirit talking to you. So you start to obey every impulse of the Holy Spirit because now you're not so distracted by the things of this world. You're in tune with the things of God, right? And so then you're free to be the hands and feet of Jesus on the earth because you're filled up with kingdom things. Now after time and time again of not hindering the Holy Spirit, by obeying him, by producing fruit, by being obedient to his commands, by being light and salt, now your heart is tuned clearly to the things of heaven. And now your heart is prepared to take on the challenge of being not only a servant in the kingdom of heaven, but being a warrior in the kingdom of heaven. So now we're going to talk about number five, the warrior heart. Now, a definition of a warrior is one who is skilled at combat or warfare, okay? So the warrior heart, think about it in terms like that. The warrior heart reclaims what's been lost, stolen, and destroyed by the kingdom of darkness. The warrior heart has a keen awareness 
of what's going on around them, the needs of others, the issues of others, the sufferings of others, the injustice. The warrior heart is untamed. It's unharnessed. It's unleashed. It's a true leader for the kingdom. It slays darkness. It reveals truth. It spreads light and love and the glory of God everywhere it goes. The warrior heart fights injustice, fights poverty, fights discouragement, fights wickedness. The warrior sees the need and either discovers a solution or becomes the solution. The warrior heart in a word is unstoppable. Unstoppable. This is the warrior heart. Turn to Matthew 3, if you have your Bibles. It says, in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. John's clothes were made of camel's hair. He had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. Sounds like a cool dude, right? People went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan, right? He wasn't out there alone. People were coming to him. They came confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, you brood of vipers. He's not a shy one. Who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance, and do not think you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. I see a warrior heart here. He lived in the desert, ate locusts and honey, dressed crazy. But why Why did he do that? Why did he do that? Because everything in his life was tailored and geared to achieve the call of God. That's why. He was about no distractions. He wanted no distractions in his life. He wanted no compromise in his life. He was a radical man with a radical message. He had one message and one purpose, and he gave it everything he had. Repent of your sins. Be baptized. Prepare the way of the Lord. That's what he did. John the Baptist owned his call. He became his call. He ate. He slept. He breathed that call. He didn't run from it. He didn't betray it. He didn't hesitate. He was a warrior. His heart was not his own. It was the Lord's. His heart was the Lord's. So here's the key. The responsive heart is quick to respond to the leading of the Spirit, right? The responsive heart is quick to respond, and that's good. That's good, and we want to cultivate more of that in our lives. There, we want to cultivate more of that, those, those times where we hear the Holy Spirit telling us something and we respond. It's good. And then there is occasion for even more. Even more. The warrior heart takes it to the whole 
next level. That's what the warrior heart does. Because the warrior doesn't have to be told. The warrior doesn't have to be prompted. The warrior doesn't have to be reminded every single day of the same thing. They already know, so they go. Here's my disclaimer. I'm not saying don't seek God about things or certain situations or don't pray and ask him what you should do. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm just saying, on many issues of life, he already told us what to do. He already told us what to do. Um, We have been told what to do, and we have been told who we are. Mary, hold up your Bible. Oh, it's all right there. It's all right there in the Word. We've been told what to do. We've been told who we are. We're told in 1 Timothy to what? Read about the good fight of faith. Hope about the good fight of faith. What are we told to do? Fight. Is that a warrior's term? Fight. We are told to fight the good fight of faith. We are told to put on the full armor of God in Ephesians 6. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth, breastplate of righteousness, feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Is this warrior terminology to you? Yes. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. We're told to do this. We're told that we have authority. Luke 10, 19. I, this is Jesus talking, I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. We are told that we are conquerors. Romans 8. Who shall separate us from the love of God? Shall trouble, hardship, persecution, famine, neckness, danger, or sword? It is, as it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Are you a victim or a conqueror? We are conquerors. We are told to be strong and fearless. Isaiah 41:13. For I am the Lord your God. Who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, Do not fear, I will help you. Thanks, Lord. Thanks for helping us. We're told we have power. 2 Timothy 1.7 For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Do you see that this is your identity? This is your identity. So we've been told who we are. Now we're told what to do. I'm just going to name a few, just naming a few. This is not all-inclusive. We're told to forgive. Sorry. Mark 11:25. And when ye stand praying, forgive. If ye have, this is like the old King James Version, if ye have aught against any, that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. But if ye do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive your trespasses. Forgive. That's what we're told. That's what we're told to do. We're told to share the good news. Mark 16:15. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's what we're told to do. 
we're told to care for others. James 1.27 Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. We are told to be warriors. That's what we're called to be. I want to give you an example. When you are reminded, see our little home of hope basket up here? It's the orphanage that our church is building in India. When you're reminded about the home of hope, or let's say the minister Ivan Tate comes, and he offers you the opportunity to support one of his orphans in Guatemala or Africa, what does the hard heart say? The hard heart maybe says something like, oh, here it comes, they're going to ask me for money. <sighs> I just, I can't do that. I just don't have the extra money. I just, I'm sorry, I don't have it. And that's usually quickly followed by, hey, do you want to meet me at Starbucks? Usually. Out. Yeah, that's right. That's possible what, what the hard heart might say. The desperate heart might say something like, oh, you know what, I am tired of not being involved and not spending my money the way I know God wants me to. And they might say, God, enable me to have the heart of a giver. That's good. That's a good place to be. Let's see what the surrendered heart says. The surrendered heart might say something like, Lord, just show me right now if you would have me give to this and how much. And then that surrendered heart might wait on the Lord to tell them something. That's good. That's good. It's good to ask God and wait. Let's see what the responsive heart does. The responsive heart, when that person says, hey, do you want to support the orphans? The responsive heart says, yes, let me write my check. I don't, I don't need to wait. I'm ready. What does the warrior heart say? The warrior heart says, I've been given to these orphans for five years. Right? But you know what? They're talking about it. I guess it's time to increase my monthly donation. It's time to do that right now. I want to quickly, quickly regarding giving, regarding giving. For many years now, I've been um, giving every month to orphans via What Matters Ministry, which is Ivan Tate's um, ministry. And I have to say it's not because I'm awesome, and it's not because I wake up every day focused and aware of the plight of orphans, and it's on my brain every day. I wish I could say those were the reasons, but it's not. Uh, the reason I have given every month for the past several years is because I signed up for automatic withdrawal. That's, that's the reason. Thank you. Thank you, Mary. Um, here's the beauty of it. I don't have to scrape my money together. I don't have to remember to write a check. I don't have to remember to put it in the mail and send it off every month. I would fail. I would forget. And then I would just walk around feeling horrible about it. But because I do it, automatic withdrawal, the money's already designated. I never even see that money. It's already sent automatically. I purposed to give to orphans every day for the rest of my life. That was my purpose. How could, I, Lord, how am I going to make that happen? Automatic withdrawal. It's going to always happen for me. And that was the, that's the way I choose to do it. Um, so may we have a sidebar, just you and me, really quickly? Just us, sidebar. This is a freebie. Set yourself up for success. 
set yourself up for success. To quote Margaret Thatcher, you knew her quote was coming, right? That didn't catch you off guard. To quote Margaret Thatcher, no one would remember the good Samaritan if he'd only had good intentions. He had money as well. So if you have trouble remembering to tithe, remembering to give, if you have trouble remembering to save your money, if you're having trouble, just saying, automatic withdrawal. There you go. Back to the warrior. The warrior heart says, I've been given to orphans for five years. I'm going to increase my monthly donation. That's where I'm at. That's what I'm ready to do. Because the warrior doesn't have to be told. The warrior doesn't have to wait to be led. The warrior leads because the heart of the kingdom is already inside. It's already there. So they're going. I want to mention some real-life warriors to you. Scott's mentioned them before. Our friends, Shannon and James Doherty, right now they're in Amsterdam, and they're working with the ministry to rescue women out of sex trafficking. And not only, not only get them out and get them saved and tell them about the love of Jesus, but they take it a step further, and now that they need to make money and they don't have any other source of income, they have a jewelry-making business. They teach them how to make jewelry. They sell that jewelry so these women can make money for themselves in a very ethical and life-affirming way. Um, Their organization is called Dignata, D-I-G-N-A-T-A, and you can find out more at at www.dignata.org. Another real-life warrior is Ivan Tate. What does Ivan Tate do? He comes here and ministers every once in a while. When he's not here, he's usually out rescuing orphans from the streets or taking them out of abusive situations and putting them in beautiful, loving orphanages where they have house parents, nutritious meals, and education, where they have hope, where they're loved. Um, uh, You can learn more about that at whatmattersmm.org. I'm giving you these websites for a reason because I want you to have something tangible to attach yourself to. Um, Another real-life warrior, Larry and Marla Johnson. Larry and Marla Johnson go to this church, but most of the time they're in Chiquimula, Guatemala. They run a full-time missions ministry called Flames of Fire. Uh, They evangelize. They run a feeding center. They train and equip others to serve the people of that community. Their website is guatemalamission.org. Dot org. Another real-life warrior heroes of mine, my mother and father, they give uh, to Casa Angelina, which is the orphanage in Guatemala run by Evan Tate, and they provide a full-time doctor for all the children there, giving of themselves. My last, my last example, and there's so many more, but Pastors Albert and Monica Hale. Let me tell you about these fine people. They see children staying in one room in India who have no parents, and they say, that's not right. They say, we're going to build them a beautiful home, and not just an orphanage, we're going to build them a home of hope. And they, they do that, and that's where they are right now. They see people under a tree in Africa, and they say, you know what, that's not right either. These people need a church. They're asking God for a church, and we're going to be the hands and feet of Jesus, and we're going to provide them a place to worship, And that's going to be 
a demonstration for everyone in their community that God answers the prayers of his people. You can learn more about that at 100club.graceglobaloutreach.com. There's many more. My question to you is this. Are you a warrior? I want to leave you with a simple illustration starring my eight-year-old son, Julius. Every morning, I tell Julius to make his bed. Okay, that's not really true, but for the purposes of the story, it's very true. Every morning, I'm telling Julius to make his bed. Sometimes, and this is true, he keeps doing whatever it, he is he's doing, and he is distracted and he forgets. Sometimes, he just doesn't do it, right? Other times, Julius, make your bed. And he'll say, yes, ma'am, and he'll stop what he's doing and run up the stairs and make his bed. Oh, it's lovely to be obeyed right away. It's so lovely. As a mother, can you relate? I mean, actually, when anyone does anything you say right away, it's kind of great, right? Doesn't it doesn't have to be your kid. It could be your spouse. It could be your coworker. It doesn't matter. Oh, obedience equals love. Um, but there is something even better than telling him and him obeying me quickly. <gasps> what? What could be better than that? I'll tell you what's better. Maybe walking up into his room one morning to tell him to make his bed and walking in and seeing his bed already made. Oh, that's even better. It's even better when you don't have to be told to do what's expected of you. You just do it. You just do it. And the warrior does it with passion, not reluctantly, not just for the sake of obeying, but out of loyalty to the kingdom. Are you a warrior? You can become, and I can become, a warrior in more than just one tiny area, maybe in every area of our life. If we get desperate, repent of the sin, oh, I've done that, great, well then get surrendered and be sensitive to the Lord. Remove all those darknesses and appearances of evil out of your life. Walk and talk in love and forgiveness. You say, I'm there, I've done it. Okay, get responsive. Say yes to every leading of the Spirit, big and small, when it feels significant to you and even when it feels like it's an insignificant thing because God's looking at your heart. He's looking to change your character. Everything is significant. Become the warrior and make your bed without being told. Give to orphans and widows without being prompted. Show love to people when they don't deserve it. Spend time to encourage someone who is hurting. Walk in patience and forgiveness and truth. Be the solution in the midst of a problematic situation. Don't just meet a need. Exceed the need. This is the warrior's heart. And this is God's heart for the people of this church. If you'd bow your heads with me, I want to close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we want to have the warrior heart so that we may become warriors for you, Lord. Let us be hearers and apply this truth to our lives so that it is the power to change us from who we are now 
into who you created us to be. Father God, may we not stop until we set our hearts on your kingdom and respond to every impulse of the Holy Spirit so that we become leaders and warriors for your glory and for the glory of your name. And it's in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Amen. Thank you for letting me share with you tonight. Am I calling up the prayer partner? Okay, if our prayer partners would please come up. If you have any needs this evening, our prayer partners would love to pray with you. Um, I, I challenge you to go out those doors and be determined not to be the same, but to be a warrior for the Lord. May you have the best week you've ever had. Thank you. Good night.